0: Well hello everybody, it's great to see you again and great to be with you today. I just pray and trust that you are doing okay, that you are holding on to hope in this season. And I understand it is difficult, it is uh, uncertain, but can I just remind you that we are in good hands and that everything is gonna be okay. Just to hold on to that hope that everything is going to be okay. We serve a good God who cares for you and for me and the things that we care about. And so today, let's just choose to trust Jesus today. Uh, if you're just joining us, we're jumping into, us. we're continuing, rather, week four of our series called Different. As we study and just kind of explore the book of 1 Peter and kind of really highlight some of the kind of big notes and the big themes that he's talking about. One of the themes is the idea of encouragement, that he's encouraging the church with the hope they have in Christ, right? We have this hope that is anchored in Christ. The second is he's, he's kind of reminding us of this daily call to live different. This daily call to live different. Reminding ourselves that this world is not our home. We are just foreigners. We are just sojourners. We are just passing through. And, and today I, I'm, I'm going to preach a, a message. The most encouraging message you probably you didn't want to hear. That's right. The most encouraging message you didn't want to hear. Uh, you know, Jesus promised us several things, didn't he? He promised a lot of things as we read through scripture, but he also promised, he didn't promise several things. Like Jesus never promised that we'd be rich, right? He, he never promised that we would struggle with, with money. He he never promised that we would, we, we would never be brokenhearted, you know, that that guy or that girl would break our heart. He never promised that it wouldn't rain on your vacation, you know, it, it, even that we can put aside, you set aside Listen, he didn't promise that you get a, a, a flat tire or have car troubles on the side of the road. Jesus never promised those things. But here, what did, what did Jesus promise? Jesus here Here's something that Jesus promised. Jesus promised that if you're a follower of him, that you're a follower of Jesus, that, that if you're set apart, that if you're different, what does he say? He says that in this world, you will have trouble. He promises in this world, you will have trouble. If you follow him, you will face hardship. You will even face persecution. Like I said, this is the most encouraging message you didn't want to hear today. And so today we are continuing this series talking about a different perspective in persecution, different perspective in hardship and in suffering. And before we jump into what Peter says, let's take a look at what Jesus says in John 15. And Jesus says, he says, If the world hates me, Keep in mind, also. Keep in mind that it, that uh, if if the world hates you, rather, keep in mind that it hated me first, and if they persecuted me, they will persecute you, also. Again, very encouraging, isn't it? This morning, very encouraging. If you're just joining in with us, I just want to give you a little recap here of the context in which Peter is writing to uh, the church, the Christians of this era. Peter is writing to the first century Jews, uh, Gentile Christians in 60 to 60 AD during a time of extreme persecution. Extreme persecution, living under this emperor and under the reign of Nero. Now, who was Nero? Nero was an, an, evil, an evil leader. He was an evil oppressor. Uh, you know, history has him, he murdered his mother. He, he, he murdered his first wife and probably his second wife. Uh, he had this insatiable lust to build, but there was some tension with the Senate. And so history believes that he actually burned Rome down just so he could build. And it was blaze for <clears throat> six days, excuse me, fire and blazing for six days. And when people started catching wind of, of him, he turned it and started to blame the Christians, the ones who were already facing persecution, the ones who were already ostracized and marginalized. And they began to face even higher levels of extreme persecution. And this is the world that Peter is writing. This is the people that Peter is writing to. Now, if you fast forward to today, we recognize that persecution is still very real, isn't it? It, it, it depends on your different... It depends where you live. But we all face persecution. In some places of the world, it's it's extreme. It's extreme. in other places of the world, like here in Canada... It's not as extreme, but it's still very, very real. In fact, many believe that persecution is at its worst today than it's ever been in any part of history. I mean, in these last, 10 de- these last decade, it, Christians have experienced the most persecution than ever before in time. In the average month, here's some little statistics for you. In the average month worldwide, over 300 Christians are killed in a month for their faith. Over 200 church buildings are, are destroyed or burnt down. And almost 800 people, Christians, are experiencing acts of violence, and whether it's imprisonment or beatings, tortured, or even worse. We are living in an era where persecution is not just something that Christians faced back in the day and were in Bible times, but it's very real for you and I today. See, evil didn't die. With Nero, It's a part of the human condition. And, and the truthfully, truthfully, it's exasperated in a life apart from God. And so this pendulum of persecution is very real. You know, in some parts of the world, you can lose a family member. Or in other parts, you can lose a job. In, in some places, you can be arrested and, and beaten. But in other places, you could be not invited to a party or to a gathering. All of this, though, is persecution. And Jesus said, if you follow me... You will be hated. You will face hardship. And that's why today is the most encouraging message you probably didn't want to hear. The most encouraging message you didn't want to hear. You see, when we look at Peter and we look at this different perspective, I pray that uh, you will be encouraged as you inspire to live boldly in your faith. That's kind of the prayer of all we're trying to do is that you will continue to live boldly as you live for jesus so let's jump into first peter and let's see what he has to say dear friends do not be surprised don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through as if something strange were happening to you don't be surprised at this painful trial don't be surprised as if something strange is happening to you what is peter saying he's saying if you're living faithfully for christ if you're living different, if you're set apart, if you're living boldly, don't be surprised when you face criticism. Don't be surprised when you face opposition. Now, I love Peter, and I love this book because if you know the story of Peter, you understand that this is sort of the later years of Peter's Peter's life, that he had to go through a lot of lessons in order to get to this part. He had to live a lot of experiences. Uh, There's a book by Chip Gaines from Fixer Upper. I think it's called Capital Gains. But the subtitle of his book is called Smart Things I Learned by Doing Stupid Things. (laughs) Smart Things I Learned by Doing Stupid Things. And if I were to put a subtitle to Peter's book, I would probably give him the same title. Smart Things He Learned by Doing Stupid Things. Because Peter had to learn life lessons and spiritual lessons the hard way. And one of those experiences happened back in his encounter with Jesus back in Matthew 16 and Jesus is telling Peter about how he is going to suffer. He's telling the disciples about his death on the cross and what is going to happen to his life. And, and Peter is kind of, you know, he, he doesn't believe it. He doesn't understand it. And he pulls, he basically just pulls Jesus aside and, and, and kind of reprimanded him. Say, hey, this will never happen. Never. I'm never going to allow suffering and, and pain to happen to you. I, I'm never going to allow that to happen. And what does Jesus say to him? Jesus says, get away from me, Satan. Like, if that doesn't startle you, if that doesn't cause you to stop in your tracks. But he's basically speaking not to Peter per se, but just that the opposition, that spiritual opposition to the purpose of God. He says, get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap for me, for you are seeing things merely with a human point of view and not from God's. See, see, then Peter watched Jesus suffer through crucifixion, and even in this moment he even denied Jesus. We talked about this for the fear of his own life, because he, he still didn't get the lesson yet. Yet something about these painful experiences began to change Peter and give him a different perspective, a different perspective. And, and now later in life, we can learn this lesson from Peter's life. a lesson that says, if you are living boldly, don't be surprised when you face criticism. Or even opposition. Some of you will say, Well, I don't ever feel like I've been faced opposition for my faith. I don't feel like I've ever experienced that. Well, let's start there and let's kinda of maybe ask the question, why? What what are the possibilities of that? For some of you who know my, my boys play baseball. We love baseball and we just love the game. But can you imagine for your will if if you're playing the game and the team is on the field, but you're just kind of sitting on the bench and you're not really playing and not even that you're not playing you're really kind of not even in, engaged you're kind of more lost in your own kind of world maybe you're holding a water bottle but instead of drinking it to nourish yourself to replenish yourself you're kind of doing the you know the bottle flip and kind of engage that way and maybe maybe you're 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 playing on your phone or checking out you know who's watching and who's there at the game you know if you're the opposition and you see that person are you nervous about them are you worried about them? Of course not. They're, they're not a threat to you. You, you. They're not even engaged in the game. You're not even worried about them. But what about the person who, who can crush a ball? What about a person who can, who can strike you out? What, what about the person who can throw you out, beat you to the bag, hit off the walk-off grand slam? What, what about that type of player? Is, is that somebody you as an opposition, or you as the opponent are worried about? Absolutely. Absolutely, they're in the game, they're they're leading the way, they're they're taking charge, they're they're living aggressively and playing aggressively, and you're taking notice. And the same is true in our spiritual life, isn't it? Listen, if you're on the bench spiritually, if if you're sitting back comfortably, not really engaged, kind of living the status quo, just kind of easing through, if you're not serving, or you're not giving, your prayer life is weak, you're, you're not sharing your faith, you're not a real threat. The enemy isn't really taking notice. The opposition isn't really taking notice. And can I just encourage you today? Can I encourage you today, the same way that Peter's been encouraging us throughout this book, to get in the game, to lean in, to live different, to embrace this call and make the enemy take notice. It's like the young soldier who goes into battle only to find that people are shooting at him. He's like, what is going on? And he comes back to his commanding officer. He says, they're shooting at me. I, I didn't expect to get shot at. And what's the commanding officer going to say? Well, what did you expect? You're in a battle. You're, you're in a war. And, he, and here's the thought we need to consider. Is that Christianity is not a playground. Christianity is a, is a battleground. That's why the Apostle Paul instructs us in Ephesians to to put on the armor of God to prepare ourselves for battle. James, the brother of Jesus, implores us to resist the devil. There's this engine of resisting, of fighting. Even Jesus told us, as we've already learned, that we will have trials and sorrows. But take heart, for I have overcome the world. There is a spiritual battle at place and we are choosing to lean in and as we lean in we will be taking the enemy will take notice so when you engage in battle you will face opposition so peter is saying don't be surprised don't be surprised don't be surprised at the painful or the fiery trials and he's probably speaking very literally to the christians in this time because what what's going on They're they're being captured they're being tortured uh, they're skinning animals and putting the skins of animals on these Christians and putting them in the cages and just watching his dogs mold them and eat and beat them. They're, they're dipping can- uh, Christians in wax and lighting them on candles, these fiery trials all the way into the, into the palace. like they're, they're facing true, true pain. So don't be surprised, he's saying. Don't, don't be surprised when you're misunderstood, when you're challenged, when you're mistreated. Peter is saying you need to develop a new perspective on suffering and is encouraging us, you and I, to do the same. And what is this new perspective? We find that in 1 Peter 4.12. He says, So instead then, be very glad. Be very glad. Be very glad for these trials will make you partners with Christ and in His suffering so that you will have a wonderful Remember, he talks about this glorious, inexpressible joy of seeing his glory when it's revealed to all the world. Be very glad. Develop a new perspective. We get to partner with Christ. And again, Peter is, I would imagine as he's writing this, he's envisioning and he's picturing this moment where he saw Jesus suffer for you and for I and for him who took on the sin of the world, who suffered and submitted himself to death, even death on a cross. And he's reminding you that he did that, that Christ did that, so that we can live a different life. And I, honor, I fully understand that this perspective isn't normal. And it's difficult, right? Like, it's difficult. You see, normal is, is seeking comfort. Normal is, is seeking pleasure and ease. You know, it's to avoid conflict. We live a life to avoid conflict, right? We, we dodge opposition. We don't want to get into caught in the middle. Normal is taking the past of least resistance, right? That's what normal is. Nobody wants to be that guy or, or that girl at the office who's trying to, like, cause trouble or, 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 or call correction to people. So, so many times we shy away from confrontation. We, we hide our faith in Christ Uh, So to not create any waves or or to ruffle any feathers and maybe even to protect our own image and reputation if we're maybe a little bit honest. But what happens when we pursue comfort above the calling to live different? Craig Rochelle, Pastor Craig Rochelle of LifeChurch.tv, he, um, or LifeChurch rather, he puts this illustration together and shows these two cycles and I think there's something in it that we can really glean from and learn from one is this idea if we pursue comfort as the highest value if that is the highest value in which we live then what we will always do is we will look to avoid opposition right we're going to look to avoid opposition we don't want to create any waves we don't ruffle any feathers we want to take the path of least resistance but what happens over time is that begins to weaken our faith where we just become we're just not really sure. We're not really sure who God is, and we've never seen God move on our behalf. And and then all of a sudden we just wake up one day and life just feels sort of empty, purposeless, pointless. And so what we try to do is try to fix that by pursuing comfort. And we live in this this cycle. We live in this cycle of of self living, of selfless or selfish living, and. In the pursuit of comfort, we end up feeling wanting. But there's a a different way to live. And and that's what Peter is trying to remind us here today. He's trying to direct us. There's a different way to live. and, And he's warning us it's not normal. And it's going to require a different faith. It's going to require different values. It's going to require a different standard. And it's going to require a different perspective. Recognizing that the world is not our home, that we are foreigners just passing through. You see, we serve a God who's not of this world, right? We, we serve a God who's, who holds all things together and whose standards are different. See, Jesus teaches us to love when others hate, to give when others take, to forgive again and again freely, to turn the other cheek, to go the extra mile. His teachings are radical. They are different and they call us to a, a different standard. And there's, there's this pathway that you and I are invited into that Peter is reminding us is and it's the idea that we live boldly that we live boldly every day living for Jesus waking up making decision to live different to embrace a different perspective and what happens when you're in the game what happens when you're when you're making waves what happens when you're living boldly all of a sudden you begin to face opposition right the enemy takes notice The enemy takes notice. And this is like, this is what happens in in storm. But all of a sudden, you begin to, your faith strengthens. And I have this picture of a tree, you know, in a tree in a storm. Its roots grow deeper and deeper to withstand the storm. And the same thing happens to you and I. When we face this sense of opposition, our roots grow deeper and deeper. Our faith is strengthened. And that faith strengthens draws us closer To Christ, All of a sudden, we feel he's hearing our prayers. We feel like we're walking with him. We feel that we know him. We feel like we're walking with God. And that, in tune, leads us to live boldly, to live boldly for God. See, the testing of our faith, as James says, produces perseverance, maturity, understanding, courage, wisdom, the fruits of the Spirit. And the honest question that we need to ask ourselves today is this is what cycle or what pathway best represents our life this past week. Are we choosing to pursue comfort? Or are we choosing to live boldly? Are we choosing the path of lethe resistance? Or are we choosing to embrace a different perspective and follow after Jesus' example? I love Peter. He says, For if you are suffering in a manner that pleases God, Meaning, if you're faithful and living in a different calling, keep on doing what is right. Just keep on doing what is right and trust your lives to the God who created you. For he will never fail you. He will never fail you. And this is this principle, this is this, this big idea, is that when we do what's right? Right? When we do what's right, we can trust God with the results. We do what's right, and we trust God with the results. Uh, Another way of saying it is, when we walk in obedience, we can trust God with the outcome. Right? The outcome is not our responsibility. The results are not ours to worry about. All we are called to do, day in and day out, is do what's right. To walk in faith and obedience. And here's what lesson I've learned, and it's a hard lesson to learn, but what's right and what's easy are seldom the same thing. Right? What's right, what's obedient, what's easy, what's comfort, comfortable are seldom the same things. Once in a while they'll line up and it's like a glorious day. But most of the time it's challenging us to live different. See, living boldly starts with doing what's right. Living boldly just starts with waking up every day and with the Lord's help deciding to do what's right. Do what's right at work and at school, in in your home. Do what's right among your friends and the conversations you're having and the jokes you're telling. When people are watching you and when no one is watching you to do what is right. See, we don't cut corners. We don't compromise our values. We don't shy away. But we follow Jesus' example. And we do what's right. We do what's right. And we trust God with the results. We walk in obedience. And we trust God with the outcome. James says, consider it pure joy. Pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. This is that different perspective that we are growing in our faith pure joy see persecution never has weakened the church i don't believe persecution has ever weakened the church in fact what it does is the opposite it actually strengthens the church when we when we face hardships when we face trials of many kinds it forces us to dig deeper roots. It forces us to rely on one another. It forces us to look up to God and to keep our hope in Christ. See, persecution forces us to dig in, right? It forces us to dig in. So to me, I don't worry about being persecuted. It means the enemy is taking notice. It means I'm doing something that the enemy is like, oh, what's that guy doing over there? I better take notice. And I'm okay with that. What I'm not okay with is, if I'm not being noticed, don't worry about when you're being cusid, uh, persecuted. Rather, Worry when you're not being persecuted. Uh, don't worry when you're facing a hardship for Christ. Worry when you're not facing hardship for Christ. We need to find comfort in being uncomfortable. Like I said, it's the most encouraging message you didn't want to hear, right? You're like, when is this guy done? Right? When is this over? To embrace a different perspective to embrace a different perspective. See, Peter continues in chapter 5, he says, For God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time he will lift you up in honor. So today, give all your worries and your cares to God, for he cares for you was Peter saying. He's like, listen, I know it's tough. I know it's hard. But can I just remind you that you serve a God who sees you? Can you, ser- you can, can I just remind you that you serve a God who cares about the things that you care about? Who, who, who's, who's thinking about the things that you think about? Who, who is speaking into the areas that you are worrying about? The, this whole idea of casting your cares upon God is like this image of a fisher, a fisherman with a fisher's net who, who casts their cares, who casts their net onto the water. We can cast our cares on God. Whatever you worry about, you can give it to God. If it's big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray about. And God is big enough to carry it. You serve a God. Give all your worries to God, for He cares for you, And this is the daily challenge, isn't it? To hold on to this eternal perspective that this world is not our home. And that's how we get through it. That you are in good hands. Because if all we can see is the here and now. If all we see is what's in front of us, then it's really hard to hold on to help. But if we can fix our eyes onto a brighter future. If we can fix our eyes that God is not finished with us yet. If we can fix our eyes that God is working all things together for good for those who love Him, been called according to His purpose. That gives us the courage, that gives us strength, the fortitude, and the perspective to hold on to hope in this season. And Peter's reminding the church, he's reminding you and, I, you and I today that that is the call today. That though we are hurting, that though we are suffering, that though we are facing trials of many kinds, we can hold on to the One who cares for us and rest in His mighty hand. And Peter keeps on and encourages us. And he says, so after you've suffered a little while, listen, after you've suffered a little while, he will restore, he will support and strengthen you, and he will place you on a firm foundation. All power to him forever. Amen. And so what's suffering? Suffering means you're in the game. Suffering means the Opposition is taking notice. And that's a good thing. Because it means we're making a difference. It means we're living boldly. It means that we're living a, a different to a different call to a different standard. And we are called to continue to do good work. So when we do what's right, we can trust God with the results. And so today, the question that I'm asking you, that I'm asking myself, is are we going to choose to pursue a life of comfort? Or are we going to choose to live boldly? Are we choose to watch the game from the sidelines? Or are we choose to play the game and get in the game? Are we comfortable with the enemy not taking notice of us? Or do we want the enemy to take notice and saying, we're here to play, we're here to make a difference, we're here to follow the example? Of Jesus and that's the invitation that you and I have been given and that's the prayer that I believe we as a church can lean into and not just bide our time not just squeak through but actually love people and serve people the way that Jesus does and make a difference will you join me will you allow yourself to see differently and to embrace hardship not Not just for hardship's sake, but to know that you get to be counted as one who's suffering with Christ. Because Jesus reminded us, there's a couple things that you will face. One, you will face hardship. And if they hated me, they're going to hate you. And if because I was persecuted, you're going to be persecuted. So embrace it. Live in it. Trust in me. Cast all your cares on me. And that's what we're committed to do. We're going to do the right thing and trust God with the results. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you that you never leave us, that you never forsake us. Father, we thank you that we don't have to walk this journey alone. Father, we thank you that we can lean into you and trust in you and cast all our cares on you for you care for us. And today, God, we just make a decision to live boldly, to put away the comfort, to put away the ease, to to put away the lawn chair that just makes us sit sit and watch the game. God, today we want to play the game. We want to get involved. We want to engage our hearts and our minds. God, we want to make a difference. And so we pray, Father, that you would give us the courage to do so. We thank you that you are with us. And we pray you would bless us in your precious name. Amen.